Hi from a dingy underground rich person auction. It's the Movie Change Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review, where every week we break down and discuss uh, the most recent week in Disney Plus. It's a very kind of obvious title for what this show is. Uh, if you haven't seen our show before, uh, what we do is kind of break down everything that's happened to Disney Plus, whether it's episodes of shows or movies, or documentaries, or maybe just news that's dropped about upcoming projects. Uh, Kind of the aim and goal for this show is for people that have Disney+, Plus because they want to watch like the Marvel and Star Wars shows, and they're like, what else is out there for me to watch? We'll obviously discuss those Marvel and Star Wars shows, like the Hawkeye, uh, first two episodes of Hawkeye that dropped uh, this week, but we'll also be talking about some documentaries and some other stuff that dropped this week. Uh, Tristan, I'm not going to lie, outside of those... uh, Two Hawkeye episodes. I think this was kind of a bummer week for Disney+. Plus. This was not content that I remotely cared about or was interested in. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I definitely understand why you would have felt that way, but uh, I actually came out on the opposite, and I was super happy with the Hawkeye episodes. And as a, a big Beatles fan, at least I was at some point a big Beatles fan, uh, I definitely enjoyed the first part of the get back special. So we're going to talk about at least the first part of that. We haven't gotten to the whole thing because it is much longer than we anticipated it to be, at least in terms of the way it was released. <laughs> but yeah, it's part of the conversation, but overall, yeah, I liked that part one and I really liked this premiere of Hawkeye. So I thought it was a pretty strong week of Disney plus, even though there were some problems with certain things in the way they came out and certain ways it was released, but <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. Two of my favorite things, you know, you get music and the Beatles, and then you also get an adaptation of a comic I really like. I can't complain, at least for me. All right, and uh, I say we kick off discussing uh, Hawkeye. I assume anyone that's watching this, probably what a lot of them came here to hear us discuss, was the two, uh, they dropped the first two episodes of Hawkeye. The first episode was titled Never Meet Your Heroes. The second episode was titled Hide and Seek, and Never Meet Your Heroes started off uh, we see uh, the invasion of New York in 2012 from uh, a young Kate Bishop's perspective. You know, see the aliens invading her parents. We see her having troubles, and they're like, "Oh, a problem's not just gonna, or uh, you know, a solution to our problem is not just gonna drop from the sky." And of course, the Chitari invade from the sky. Stuff goes down, and eventually, Kate Bishop is saved by Hawkeye shooting an arrow, killing one of the Chitari, and that kind of makes her want to be an archer and we cut to the present day and that's exactly what she is she's considered her considers herself kind of jokingly the world's greatest archer and this uh lends herself into some problems because her parent her mom her dad apparently supposedly died we didn't see a body and we know we know how that goes you don't see a body they didn't actually die but her mom now has a new boyfriend and it's like the super well-off well-to-do family in a well-to-do situation, they're auctioning off uh, Hawkeye's Ronin gear, kind of during the time period of the blip. She catches on to that. She thinks her you know, new and future stepdad is up to some shady shit. Uh, I really like these episodes. You know, We saw her and Hawkeye team up. We see why, how and why Hawkeye turned deaf, which he is in the comics, and so that was kind of cool, something they haven't really shown before, but are starting to touch on now and kind of his final run as Jeremy's final run as the character. And I really like these episodes. I think the, you come for the dynamic of Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, but I've talked enough about these episodes. What were your kind of thoughts on, on uh, these two? 
Yeah, I came into these with higher expectations, and I think most people did because not everyone, I think, is as familiar with the exact source material of this one. But I do know that this is one that directly lifted a lot of story elements and characters from like specific, uh, specific comic book storylines. So reading that and going to this, I was excited for it. And I love Heidi Seinfeld, who doesn't, you know, she's kind of like a dominating presence in Hollywood. So I was really looking forward to the show. And so far, it's delivered. And for me, this is what I kind of expected these Marvel shows to be was, you know, WandaVision was much more big scale and crazy than I thought it was going to be. And Loki was that too. And to, to an extent, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like this, but this very much feels like it's just, here's a character, here's like this random standalone story with them. It's not really connecting to anything huge or big so far, at least. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, a fun adventure with these characters. And it's low sale. It's kind of like the street level kind of story, you know, in the same way that the Netflix shows were. But it's a, a, little, a little more crisp, a little more clean you know, in the MCU kind of way. <laughs> so it feels like a good merging of the of the two, where it's like the it's the grounded Netflix take, but it also has like the quippy kind of slick look of a yeah. Marvel movie. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so uh, we've been messaging before that we have our theories uh, about the show. Obviously, the first show early on, we see the uh, Steve Rogers. Uh, musical and you said your theory stems from that so I'm curious what that is about yeah we, we uh, the musical was very present in the marketing it was in all the trailers it was in the background of a lot of the posters and it was in both of the episodes you know it was very present obviously in the beginning of the first episode but the second episode uh, where it kind of follows up on their dynamic and they're actually together walking around you can see it a lot in the background she's watching it you see an ad for it on TV so I think it's going to be present in the show more than just the one scene and I look at Jeremy Renner and I look at Haley Steinfeld and I see both of them as people who have music talent, music history. All right. So could we end up seeing some kind of like Hawkeye musical episode dynamic? We're not in a whole episode of musical, but like maybe they have to go undercover as members of the cast of the show or something like that. And Hawkeye has to perform as himself in the Avengers ensemble. And maybe Haley Steinfeld replaces Black Widow or Haley Steinfeld is in somewhere in the ensemble to sing because... You know, they both have good singing voices and singing talent, and they're just musical. So why would not give them a musical number together? Something, something cool. You know, a, du- a Black Widow Hawkeye duet with Haley Steinfeld and Jamie Ryder singing to each other. You know, I could I could go for it. Yeah, I could see that. I would say like her as Black Widow makes sense, but I think he's too recognizable. Like we see that moment in the diner of him getting the free meal. So I think if he's like trying to be undercover, or hidden, him as Hawkeye wouldn't make sense. But I could see him as like Thor or something where he has the beard and everything on to cover his face. That could be interesting. He's in the Hulk costume or something. Or... Yeah. <laughs> that could yeah. be fun. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, so my theory uh, is very prevalent. I'm not going to say I'm like this lone genius that came up with this. I've seen I, – I, I came up with this theory while I was watching the show and a lot of other people have this theory. Uh, so Marvel has done a pretty decent job with stepdads in its run, whether it's Ant-Man and there's a few other uh, projects where all the stepdads have been like good people. And I, f- I fully believe they're hammering that this new stepdad, granted his character in the comics is a villain, the swordsman, he's a big Hawkeye villain. I think it's a fake out. Uh, I think he's actually going to turn out to be a good guy. Like sure, he has sword abilities, 
Uh, but I think they're just pushing, like, oh, this guy's, like, the mustache-twirling guy, like, too hard that I don't think he is the villain. I think the big bad of the uh, show is going to be uh, Kate Bishop's mom. I don't think you bring in Vera Farmiga to just be, like, stereotypical, like, mom character. I think – she and she has that villain haircut. Like, you don't you don't get that haircut unless you're the villain, you know? Yeah, and I see all those swords around, and I'm just like, I'm ready for Vera Farmiga to like get in a, a badass sword battle with yeah. someone, you know? Yeah. And I'm ready for that. And uh, I have a couple other things I want to talk about about the show, though. I don't want to move on too quick. I, I can, just another side theory that's part of that, and I kind of hinted at it earlier. There's no way the dad's dead, right? He, like he's out somewhere, and he's gonna come back at some point. Yeah, it was a he's... weird. A weird opening scene. To, if, they, if their intention was to kill off a dad in an emotional the way, they would have like, had that. You know, he would have been like in her arms, dying or something. But the fact that yeah. he was just kind of off screen and then we cut to his funeral, I feel like he's yeah. definitely going to show up at some point. Yeah, and the dad was like, I don't know his name, but I like recognize the actor, and I feel like for that you wouldn't get like a recognizable actor uh, for that role, unless they had more than that half a scene that they were in, and. uh and so yeah, I think he's coming back. And then Kate Bishop in the comics, her biggest like her biggest arch enemy is her dad. But I think they're gonna more pivot that to her mom. But I think her dad is still gonna play a role, whether he's hero or villain. I don't know, but I think he's definitely coming back. Does he show up? Uh, we, uh, this is my theory, Joe. Okay, I want to hear a theory off the top of my head about the dad. I think he comes back, and we have like an emotional reunion. You know, we say, "Oh, it's she's re- back with her dad. It's he's alive," and then. We get a review that he actually is a scroll, and it's not actually her dad. It's like a scroll who's either a scroll the whole time, maybe, or like he's now a scroll taking the shape of her dad. But I feel like we got to get the scrolls back into the plot somehow. Yeah, yeah I could and see And it could that. be a fun reveal of, oh my God, it's my dad. He's alive, Cause, but then actually it's a scroll. Because these shows have done a decent job of connecting to the larger universe as a whole. Falcon and Winter Soldier, not so much, but we're still getting Captain America 4 with. Uh, Falcon as you know with uh, I'm blank Sam Wilson as Captain America, so it still ties in in that way. And so far, like I'm not really seeing how does this forward and shape the Marvel universe as a whole. And I think bringing in the scrolls somehow could do that. And we do know from the post-credit scene of Black Widow that we're going to get a Florence Pugh yeah. appearance in some way or form. Yeah, I, I think she killed uh, the stepdad. I think that's that's going to be the reveal is Florence Pugh. And I think, like, the, so we see a thing at the end, I think it was at the end of the second episode, where we see that uh, Echo is, like, working, or is in charge of, like, that uh, Crimson Hood gang, or whatever they were called, I can't remember. I think Echo probably works either for or with Florence Pugh, is my my prediction, and my, and I, and I, as soon as I saw that Grandpa character dead, I, I'm like, Florence Pugh killed him. Yeah, I'm really curious how Echo is going to play into this, and we know that she has her own show coming out in the future at some point on Disney Plus for the next like couple of years. I don't know exactly what the timeline is on that, but it's still like within the next two years. Yeah. So they're obviously not going to make him like a full, a full complete villain. It's going to be like a, a anti-hero dynamic yeah. because they have their show coming up. It's not going to be like oh they go around murdering people and we have to watch Disney Plus is a show about them. So. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Right. And what else you got about this show that you want to? One thing that I thought was interesting is how much we're getting, like, for the first time, a really good look at how the world is in the Marvel Universe, like, <laughs> from a street perspective. Like, 
what was the snap like for people? What is the world like now? What is it like with all these celebrity level superheroes running around? You know, we saw in that uh, scene that Disney exists in, the, in this universe, like there's a huge Disney store in the background and there's people walking around in, in costumes of Iron Man taking pictures of people. And I feel like it's a really fun way to look at the world and how much it's changed between like Iron Man and now where Tony Stark going up on that stage and saying, I'm Iron Man. It was like a huge moment in, in Marvel. And now, now it's like, they're just celebrities walking down the street. People know who Hawkeye is, you know, and it was really fun to see that. We yeah. haven't quite gotten was, like was the of... everyday life of, of, of the Marvel universe in a while. You know, we've been in like the cosmic side of everything being big and huge. And I just like him walking down the street, you know, people are like, Oh, Hey, it's Hawkeye. <laughs> or I like when that person just walks past him and he's like, Oh, it's Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, I was thinking about this either like yesterday or this morning that Spider-Man and now like Kate Bishop's Hawkeye are the only really two like ones with secret identities. Like all of the other heroes are out essentially. Like everyone knows who they are. Maybe Ant-Man, but I'm not sure. I think he's basically out, right? I feel like no one cares about Scott Lang enough where like he could be out and it will be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, (laughs) sure. Yeah. Like everyone, but I was thinking actually, the comparison of Spider-Man is really interesting because as I was watching this, I was thinking like, this this new Hawkeye essentially is, is like essentially a, a, more of a Spider-Man than Tom Holland is, where it's like the undercover agent yeah. kind of like working in this spy level, street level thing, yeah. not engaging in multiverse fighting huge cosmic beings, but actually it's like fighting thugs and gangs. Yep. <laughs> you know, it feels like a Spider-Man show with Haley Seinfeld as a lead. And, yeah. It's so close to the Sparta Gwen show. You yeah. know, it's like almost there. You know, you can squint yeah. and it's close. it's close. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Uh, anything else? Any? I mean, we kind of gave predictions of how we, what we think is going to happen moving forward. So, I'm really curious. You know, it is. We're a third of the way through already. For Christmas. Yeah, there's a lot up in the air still. We got to figure out how the Black Widow characters connect. We got to figure out uh, does. Madam Hydra show up? Does US Agent show up? Does any of the other characters show up? Do we get any kind of like expanding of it or does it stay in this smaller scale? I would like it for, at least for a little bit to stay in like they're fighting a gang on the street, you know. Yeah. And if they're going to get to a bigger scale stuff, have it be towards the end, maybe setting up for season yeah. two, things like that. Yeah, I, can, I mean, you. I think you can tie it into the bigger stuff and still keep it small. Like you can just have that hooded gang be a faction of like Madam Hydra's plan. Or, like, a faction of her group. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, this big, massive-scale thing. It's, like, Echo reports to someone who reports to someone who reports to Madam Hydra, you know? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to how that's going to play out. And especially the action, too, because we, we got some action, but we haven't gotten, like, a, a really big show-stopping kind of action sequence yet. So I'm curious to see what it's going to be like when they kind of pull all their guns out and all their yeah. bows out, you know, and really yeah. kind of go for it. Definitely. Do we think, okay, do we think another MCU character shows up? Like, uh, an Avenger, I mean. An Avenger? So, are we, is Captain, is is Falcon, like, if he shows up in his Captain America gear and does something cool in the finale, is that an Avenger? Yeah. I, I meant just, like, a hero, not, like, a character that's previously appeared. Like, not, like, John Walker, not not Madam Hydra. Like, a hero character. Does a hero, another hero character from the MCU show up? He, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see like a, a Mark Ruffalo appearance. Yeah. 
because I know he has he's going to be in the She Hulk. So I think maybe maybe a Hulk appearance, maybe, maybe, maybe in like a Doctor Doctor Hulk, whatever they're going to do to. <laughs> I don't know, bridge this gap between Hulk that we see in She-Hulk and Hulk that is in Endgame. I don't know where they're at in the timeline at, at this point, but we'll see Hulk in some way. That, that's my prediction. If we see it in Avenger, it's got to be Hulk. All right. I don't think Chris Hemsworth is slowing it down for the TV shows right now. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Uh, anything else you have to say about uh, Hawkeye? No, I thought the opening credits were also really great, but yeah, yeah that like was. That I'm looking it, forward to it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Bond. Yeah, and the the art was like I I always hold this up. It makes me feel like <laughs> I'm capturing something. But the art was like literally off of the off of the cover of this. Like it was very cool to see it come to life. So it was it was awesome to see the intro. And yeah, like Bond, it it brought you into that spy thriller kind of feel. So I'm hoping it the whole rest of the show feels as as fun as these are because, like I said, this feels like I always expected this show to be just expansions on the characters we know and ground level fun stories that aren't movie level plots but just things that are cool <laughs> yep. you know little fun stories and i'm, I'm looking forward to, how, to see how it plays out does it get huge do we have you know witches fighting in the streets with disney channel effects by the end of this or or not you know and i i'm curious how it'll go all right and also i would love at some point because like you said we had the disney store and stuff i would love at some point a post-credit scene a kevin foggy cameo interviewing one of the avengers because like the mcu exists in like disney but it's instead of being based on comic books or it's like based on true events that would be really fun and i've, I've explored that and like because <laughs> as he was walking around that city i was thinking of like the lego games where you're like flying around and there's like a whole marvel comics that exists that like just yeah. makes comics about the lego characters and that's like how they make money yeah <laughs> I think that would be fun. And like action figures, you know, maybe they sell action figures of all these characters. Because yep. there's always that question of like, okay, how are they making money? Like Falcon is just like a, like a superhero. That's <laughs> like, it's like his job. Yeah, maybe they can introduce to a way that there's, there's a way of them mar- merchandising themselves, you know? Yeah, I could see that. That'd be funny. And Kevin Feige is like their merchandising agent. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Uh, we got two parts of a three-part documentary series the next part drops tomorrow obviously you can't cover the third part and then they had to go and make these things three hours so we're not covering the second part either we'll cover those uh next week so we are covering the first part of the beatles get back it was two and a half hours long not gonna lie i started it with the full intention of watching the whole thing i got about 45 minutes into it and i'm like i got it I know what this is. Like, my review is not going to change whether I watch the whole thing or stop now. And I was like, this isn't interesting me as a consumer, so I'm just going to stop. Basically, I'll just, this is would be my recommendation. If someone came to you and been like, hey, would you have liked to have been a fly on the wall for the making of Let It Be? If your answer to that is yes, go watch The Beatles Get Back. If your answer to that is no then just don't watch it because you're not going to be interested in it because that's essentially what it is. It allows you to be a fly on the wall for two and a half hours for the making of Let It Be. But uh, Tristan was much more into it than me, so I will uh, let him uh, give his more professional review than my (laughs) shitty review. Yeah, when you pitch and say, oh, it's like being a fly on the wall at the making of Let It Be, I think that sounds incredible. (laughs) And like this captures that so perfectly and I am a big Beatles fan. Like I've listened to all their albums front to back a handful of times, not so much recently, but when I was in like 
you know, early high school, middle school Beatles were like my band, you know, that I listened to everything and I read a bunch of books about them and I was really invested in, in the band and learning about them. But this is like nothing I've ever seen before. Like in any of the books that I've read and any of the things that I've watched, this is like beyond that in terms of getting an actual look at who they were as people and what the process was like. And it was very like mesmerizing to watch and seeing them just kind of sitting in this circle, shooting this shit, talking about music, talking about what they were doing in their lives and getting on their guitars and just kind of jamming out a, a riff and making up random lyrics and you're, you're recognizing it as it's going and saying, Oh, that builds up into this song that builds up into this song. And you kind of like are seeing them work together and, and you know from history, this is the last time they do this. You know, they, they, they don't really work together again after this. So you're seeing them at their at their peak in a way, but also at their downfall. And you can see where that's coming. And you can see the tension in, in between Paul and John, but it's not like at the forefront. It's kind of just there, you know, in the conversation. So, yeah, I thought this was a really fascinating watch. But, yeah, I don't know how you would. <laughs> so how are you feeling watching this when you're not into the Beatles at all? Did you realize, like, this was... Like a tension, was there tension there between the characters? Or were you just uh, so like watching it? So, like, I know things. Like, I've grown up in pop culture and, like, through my mom and stuff. Like, I know a lot of the songs. I know a lot of the history and everything. But it's just, like, for me, as far as the Beatles go, I like some of their songs, but I've never, like, sat down and been like, oh, I'm going to listen to the, uh, like, Let It Be album. Like, I've heard the song Let It Be. I've heard across the universe, but like, if you were to ask me, okay, let it be, I know what album that's on, but if you were to ask me before I watched this, hey, what album is across the universe on? I would have been like, I don't, I don't know, one of them. It's on one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but like, it's just one of those things of it's just a topic I really don't care about. I was thinking about this because like my favorite album of all time is the Eminem show. If this was the exact same thing, but it was like Dr. Dre and Eminem making that album with whoever else was there, <laughs> I'd be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just my favorite thing throughout the part of it I watched was Ringo Starr in the background that just had a look on his face of like, I just can't wait for this band to break up. He looked, he looked like he had checked out a month ago. He's just like, I'm here playing the drums. It's going to be over soon, and I, I'm i looking forward to it. There was this really great moment between Ringo and George and Paul where they're just kind of talking about like what they've been listening to, and Ringo does this kind of like improvised version of what he was listening to and just tells him, like, oh, yeah, this song by this guy was really good. I have the tape and this and that, and... And George kind of just like compliments Paul's beard. He's like, oh, yeah, the beard kind of suits you, man. And that was a good moment where I watched it. And I was like, I'm glad it was two and a half hours because like if you told him to cut it down to 60 minutes, that would be the stuff you'd cut. Like you'd cut some of those like moments where they're just sitting around, you know, and moments where they're just talking. And yeah. for me, that's what I like so much about this was just yeah, seeing like them at that moment in the time and seeing like, like just capturing that, like a fly in the wall. Like you said, you're just seeing. Yeah. That's that moment in time. Yeah, when it comes to a recommendation, I was in the shower thinking, like, how would I recommend this? And that's exactly, I, I feel like you agree that basically, like, does the idea of being on the fly on the wall for Let It Be intrigue you? Then you will love this. If it does not, then you will not care about this at all. Because that's 100% what this is. It's not like a typical documentary where you have a narrator and they're kind of explaining everything that's breaking down. There's literally just a camera in the room and they edit together you know, essentially what's going to end up being about eight to nine hours of the best stuff and, uh, you know, packaged it together. And the editing is really cool. Cause it's like, they're like, 
going through various songs and you know it wasn't like that fast but it feels like they're just like switching songs and I, that's the w- number one thing I would praise coming out of this was the editing in this is like incredible yeah I can't imagine the process and you can hear it in like so much of the audio you can listen to it and just know how much work there had to be to be restored to get that dialogue so crisp and clear and what would have been such such old such such worn audio and to go through all of that and match it up and you can see it. You can just see the work when you watch it. You can tell the parts where it was like, God, how long did it take them to match the audio to that video to get that audio so clear? And like the editing, the task of this is just really monumental. And if you're into that level of documentary, like if you're into like, oh, I'm going to watch like a Ken Burns type of thing, or oh, I guess Ken Burns is much more of a narrative type thing. But if you're, if you're into like, oh, I'm going to sit and watch like a nine hour documentary on a thing, I think. When you get the full picture of this, this will be a fun kind of binge in that way. But yeah, it's it's hard to recommend it when we just have like this random three hour chunk of what feels like a full thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got anything more you got to say about the Beatles get back? No, I really liked it a lot. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I don't know if Joe is even going to watch the rest of it, but I'm definitely going to watch the rest of the next episode. I probably won't unless Tristan comes in next week and it's like part two and part three are incredible. Because it was like, it was kind of like the first 40 minutes hour or whatever I watched, I was like, I enjoy this, but it's starting to kind of just feel the same. It's not, it's not, you know, it's about one album for nine hours where it's not like, it just felt like, yeah, this is a day in the life of the Beatles, essentially. And well, it, was... it helped you to know where this ends up kind of going and that they end up, because you can tell from the beginning they're not really happy recording in this yeah. environment. They don't like the sound. So they eventually decide to leave and go to a studio, which is Apple Studios. Yeah. Uh, and then from there they decide, well, if we're going to record it live, let's record it live on the rooftop. And that becomes like the iconic rooftop performance. So what you're getting is kind of like the beginnings of that iconic yeah. moment. So Maybe. if you think it's kind of repetitive, they're right about to change locations. <laughs> so part two is going to be a totally new place and totally new location, uh, totally new sound. So it'll be, it'll be a change. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I might go back and watch it. I don't know when part of me is cause I'm doing that Star Wars chronological rewatch and I'm like at the end of it. Basically I'm at, uh, I have like a season and a half of resistance to go and then the three sequel trilogy movies. So I'm like, can feel the end and part of me is just like, I just want to get through that. So. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really, I, I, I empathize, you know, I did a similar watch, but yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's building to that iconic moment that I'm sure is going to be towards the end of the, of the documentary. So to see how that all come together to what ends up being one of the most iconic moments in all of music history is going to be really cool to see. All right, so next up, uh, we have the documentary Becoming Cousteau. This was the National Geographic documentary, and this is where my unprofessionalism rears its ugly head again. I got 20 minutes into this, and I realized one thing. I don't care about Jacques Cousteau. Like, it's well made, but like with most documentaries, if you don't care about the subject, you're not going to really care about the documentary at all. It's... It's well made, like I said, solid. I've never seen a Jacques Cousteau documentary, like one that he made about like sea life in my life. Uh, I've seen uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, so it was kind of cool to see, oh, he dresses like him, and I can understand why uh, the Steve Zissou movie is somewhat like a parody inspiration of Jacques Cousteau, but outside of that, I was like, this is fine. It's well made. I do not care at all. Um, if you... 
grew up watching Jacques Cousteau documentaries, I recommend you watch this. Check this out. Maybe you'll learn more about the guy you grew up watching. If you've never seen one, you're probably not going to care about this. You know, Disney needs to crank out documentaries about things I care about. Like the Boba Fett documentary, I thought was great. Was it kind of surface level, didn't really dive as deep? That's what we need, a nine-hour Boba Fett documentary, you know? A nine-hour documentary about, like, a fly on the wall during the production of the sequel trilogy movies. That would be great product right there. I would kill... I mean, I wouldn't actually kill, but I would... I would do a lot to have to have that documentary to see how they all came together, to see the fights, the, the arguments. I'm sure they were all pleasant, you know. I'm sure they all get along, and now and it was all professional. But you know, I can't imagine it going very well in certain times when the people, the 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 certainty was not there no. <laughs> in terms of where they were going. That would be fun. But yeah, uh, I was hoping you would come in with a professional opinion on this one because I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was uh, too invested in the two and a half hour turned to six hour documentary of Beatles because I started watching part two instead of watching being John Cousel or whatever you said it was called. It's called Becoming uh, Cousteau and it's it's it just wasn't holding my attention and I would keep I would like check my phone and I'd be absorbed by my phone and have to pause and rewind and rewatch and it just kept happening too often and I'm like I don't care about this I I could force myself to keep watching this but it's not going to change my review of the fact that I just didn't care about the subject matter so I might check it out I do like documentaries and I think it could, I mean I've watched plenty of documentaries about stuff that I had no idea what it is where I have literally no interest at all in the subject matter and then the documentary like turns me around <laughs> so I could check this out and be like oh that's kind of cool and so also, I probably will watch this but I'm, I'm I'm pretty invested in this very very long Beatles documentary right now so I kind of devoted my time to that and did not so much go for the exploring of the of the documentary just yet it's also like half of it's in French, which didn't help. So uh, yeah, that that definitely hurt it of me trying to pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah, you got for you got to read subtitles, Joe. I just wasn't in the mood for it, and I tried like before we came on to watch it again, and then I just stopped and I started watching reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond on TV Land. So. It sounds like something you'd do. <laughs> it is something I'd do because it's what I did. Yeah, you did that. All right. Uh, so, like I said, eh, check it out or don't. I'm not, I'm not scathing it, it. I'm not scathing it, but I'm also not highly reviewing it either. So Joe's shining review made me want to check it out. So <laughs> I'll let you guys know what I think. All right. Next up, uh, we got some news that we could have covered last week, but uh, somebody... Uh, namely either of us, uh, never checked uh, the news after 4.30 uh, last week Friday, I believe. And we got some big Star Wars news, uh, if you're into the Star Wars television shows. And that is Natasha Liu Bordizzo has been cast as Sabine Wren for the Ahsoka show. Uh, I got a picture up here if you're watching the video format, if you're watching the podcast uh, or if you're listening to the podcast version, then you can't see this picture, so Google her, I guess. Natasha Liu Bordizzo. Uh, I think it's good casting. Uh, I've seen a movie clip of her. She's in a number of movies. She's in The Voyeurs. She's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword, Sword of Destiny. She's also in the Daniel Radcliffe movie Guns Akimbo. And in that movie, she has dyed red hair, and I saw a clip from that. And her voice sounds similar to Tia Sakar. It's not identical, but it's 
uh, way more similar than Rosario Dawson and Ashley Eckstein's voices. So uh, I think it's really good casting. She has a black belt, and I believe Taekwondo. Uh, Tristan, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love Sabine. I love the cast of Rebels, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that translates. And the Rosario Dawson casting, I, I appreciated. I thought it worked visually, but I didn't necessarily buy her presence as Ahsoka's presence just yet. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out in the show. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic for that, but I'm not quite sold. And for this, I'm much more sold. And maybe it's because... And everything I've seen her in, she dyes her hair different colors. And in <laughs> Guns Akimbo, she has like multiple different colors of hair throughout the movie. And I, I want to say in Voyeur, she actually did have like blue hair or something like that too. That looks very Sabine. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun to see it. And I can't wait to see how she plays the, the, the dynamic with Rodario Dawson. And I do love that Star Wars still has this legacy of picking practically no-name people. Like she, she has not been in nothing, but she's not like a household name. No one knew know where to put her on a list of like they have to begin star wars type of thing you know but once again star wars pulls somebody that i'm sure is going to be really fun really interesting because they wouldn't cast them for no reason you know and i love when star wars is able to do that and put somebody on the map forever you know as like a star wars actress yep and we also have a quote from filoni uh about the ahsoka series that i believe is part of the empire magazine uh whole spread uh, regarding the book of Boba Fett uh, basically here's the quote from or here's what Empire had to say Filoni, up about, op- o- Filoni opened up about progress on the show which he's currently writing it's thrilling I gotta tell you uh, it's something you imagine doing for a long time and then it's kind of startling when you're sitting there and now you have to go do it as you'd imagine the show is uh, and then they say as you'd imagine the show is offering the chance to tell an Ahsoka story he's always wanted to tell with some new additions uh, Filoni says, I thought of this adventure for Ahsoka for a long time, and it's interesting to see how it's evolved. Years ago, I never would have imagined that it was sprung from a branch of a tree that had nothing to do with a guy like Din Djarin, or a child that looks like Yoda. It's a great lesson for me on how, when you have other creatives like Jon Favreau, they can help lend such dimension and depth of what you're doing. So I like that quote. Uh, I think, uh, you know, knowing that he's been working on this story for a long time, uh, definitely makes me uh, believe it's going to be good. But it's also curious of where it's going, because if he's thought of this for a long time, then it's not necessarily 100% connected to, like, Din. Like, it doesn't have to, like, fully wrap around into what will happen in, like, Mandalorian Season 4 or Season 5. So I thought for the longest time that Ahsoka's story ends with her going back to Mortis, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, I like that it was a, pl- a story that he says he's planned for a while, and that makes me feel a little bit better that it wasn't something like, okay, come come up with an Ahsoka story now because you want to have a show, and they're like, oh, okay, uh, let's figure it out. And to me, that kind of does confirm that this probably is it, especially when they say with some additions in, in that way. Like, it feels to me like they're essentially saying, okay, this is, this is the Rebels show, but it's changed around a bit to also fit within the Mandalorian cinematic universe, you know, and have that kind of same... Yeah same kind of a connective tissue of that and we also got this week that i think the rangers of the republic show is officially not happening yeah. so yeah they said it's kathleen kennedy said it's canceled and that they're kind of just gonna adapt a lot of everything storyline that 
fit into what they need into just like the Mandalorians. So yeah, so I think that confirms to me that they're no longer trying to build all these shows up to like an Avengers style show. You know, there's no longer like oh here's everything coming together, and we're, I'm sure there's going to be crossovers and stuff like that. But I no, I feel like maybe now they're going to keep the things a little bit separate for a while, yeah. and then have the characters show up here and there, but not necessarily like oh and then here's our secret wars type of thing. Yeah, who knows. Or kind of all, like, it started in Mandalorian, it all branched out, and I could see, like, Mandalorian, like, season five is, like, the finale of it, and the, where it all kind of culminates together. Especially if they keep doing these book-style interludes, like, they could have, like, a book of anything, and that could connect to any of these shows, you know? So they could really use that to get away from, uh, get away from the limitations of the shows. Yeah, and also, not exactly Disney Plus related, but Kathleen Kennedy confirmed in an interview that uh, James Mangold directing the book of, or the Boba Fett movie was never true. There was n- never any hint of that, or never, you know, that was just never a thing. And James Ga- James Mangold has said as much as well. So I fully believe uh, some leakers wires were crossed that when James Mangold was going in for Indiana Jones five interviews, that they were just had assumed that it was for Bo- a Boba Fett movie when it was always just for Indiana Jones five. Yeah, too good of an idea for for them to come up with themselves. You know, it sounds like something that would be on, a, on our episode of Movie Change Up. Yeah. You know, but honestly, I'd rather have uh, the book of Boba Fett show. You know, Robert Rodriguez, you know, executive produced and all that, than just like a James Mangold Boba Fett movie that I feel like, based on the reaction to Solo, probably would have just not done well. I mean, critics aside, not would have done well box office you know, compared to the other Star Wars movies, so it would have just been like, oh, like, Kathleen Kennedy should be fired. (laughs) As usual. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the Ahsoka casting, and, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting now that they don't have that show where they're they're going with all this stuff and if there's going to be crossovers and what that is. Uh, We know Thrawn's going to be in it, so... We got. We know probably Ezra's going to be in it, so yeah. we're probably going to start filling out the cast of Rebels here. And Chopper, Chopper, we got to get a Chopper appearance, guaranteed, right? Oh yeah. Hi, this is my prediction for everything. Uh, Ezra will most likely be played by uh, Mina Masoud from Aladdin. Thrawn played by Lars Mikkelsen. I think they're going to bring in Vanessa Marshall to play um, Hera because there was a video game uh, where Hera was used. And they use, like, Vanessa Marshall's face for the model for the video game. And I think it could work. Um, I, I assume you have to bring in Jason and you could just find any kid actor. J- Jacob Tremblay for Jason Sindula. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Is One of the things I heard for a while is the Rebel sequel was always planned to be animated. And then the Mandalorian was so much more successful uh, than they had ever imagined that they're like, okay, we're transferring that to be live action now. My last prediction before at the end of the Ahsoka topic is that Freddie Prince Jr. shows up in like a Force Vision type scenario and we get, we get like a Kanan appearance. I can see that. He looks enough like him. That's where, like, people wanted Tia Sakara Sabine, but she looks absolutely like she's South Asian and Sabine was always like East Asian and. And it'd be easy Same if it's like Ezra. a one scene or something like that, you know. Yeah. Like if Kanan's not going to be like a main character, if Sabine was in like one scene, you could cast whoever you wanted. But I think the fact that they put this actual actress in there, someone that has screen experience and and yeah. looks apart in that way, I think it 
similar to how they put Rosario Dawson, that was like, okay, we're doing yeah. something with this character. So I think That's this why... shows that they're doing something with Sabine. It's not just a one-off type of thing. That's why with uh, Luke, uh, I'm fully convinced that they're like not really doing anything with him. Like he might appear one more time Please. in Mandalorian season three, but it's like if they were gonna actually like use him and like and had long term and had lots of plans, they would have casted like actual actor. They would have got like Sebastian Stan or whatever his name is to be Luke. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't need a Luke show right now. Maybe a little while, you know. I, I, give, I, give me I'm, some time. I'm down for a Luke show, but my Luke show that I, if Lucasfilm was like, we need you to pitch a Luke show, it'd be an animated series with Mark Hamill reprising the role as the voice, and it's like him training Ben. That would be the show. In the tone of the Clone Wars or Rebels. And that would be my show. We'll see. We'll see. If but I don't going. need a live action Luke show at all. <laughs> please don't. Disney, please. All right. I don't think we will. What's next, Joe? All right. Next, uh, sticking in the Star Wars world, we got some uh, Book of Boba Fett images from the Empire uh, magazine, which is fitting, I guess. Uh, so, this first one here, we got Boba Fett and Fennec Shand hanging out outside of uh, Tatooine. Boba Fett's got his nice, somewhat freshly painted armor that's been scuffed up a little bit. Got the classic dent. Um, I'm pretty sure all of these images are from the first 15 minutes of the first episode. Uh, it looks like it. Next up, we got a second image here. It looks like uh, Robert Rodriguez on set, kind of showing people what he wants one of the fight scenes to look like, which I'm excited for because I, I love the, you know, the action in the episode of The Mandalorian. Or, yeah, the episode of The Mandalorian. He directed the tragedy, so he's he's bringing more of that i'm all hyped about it third episode here or third episode third image here we got boba fett talking to uh twilight played by jennifer beals who people would know from the movie flash dance i think we maybe have fennec shan in the background but i can't tell but again this is all going to be from the first like 20 minutes 15 it's definitely fennec shan back there we got some kind of alien creature in the corner another gamorian guard in the back but yeah, right, this, is all, guard. this is all going to be from the first like 15-20 minutes of the first episode. Cause, uh, I bet by midway through episode 2 they're not on Tatooine anymore and that's all we've seen is Tatooine. And then the third image Fennec Shand Boba Fett ready for ready to fight and uh, it looks like they're potentially in Jabba's Palace or some other Tatooine hideout and there's definitely someone edited out of that image, and I'm curious who you I think, think it's it Andrew is. Garfield. Yeah. Any predictions on who's edited out of that image? Cad Bane? It's possible. It would be very Star Wars, very Cad Bane for them to have dueled and had this rivalry and then yet team up at some point and have this moment where they See, have a shared enemy. I think uh, unless the uh, show opens with a flashback of their duel in live action. I think we need to see like a flashback at some point of their duel and of their rivalry in this show uh, before we have Cad Bane. And I still think that's, again, another image from the first 20 minutes. I could be wrong. Maybe this is from like, this is... the final episode when they come back. But my guess is cold take, ice cold, boring take, is it's Din Jaren. Let's edit it out. Oh, well, that, I mean, that would be a nice one. I mean, it would be cool to see him again, you know, a little, little tease before we get to Mandalorian. 
But yeah, that's my boring take, is he helps Boba Fett out in, like, the first episode and maybe comes back for, like, the season finale or series finale, however however many, if this is just, like, a one-and-done thing or not, but... The framing of this is rough. There's very obviously at least one person over there, yeah. if not two people, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, it'd be, yeah, another one of those shows where I wonder how far they reach into their vast collection of characters and, and storylines or if it's, this is just a Boba Fett crime show and then maybe we get like Bad Cad Bay, maybe we get Hondo, like one or two characters from Clone Wars or is this going to be like hey, especially, maybe we essentially Mandalorian the... season 2.5 we're going to get like a, a Din Djarin arc that completes Grogu's right Grogu is in this season like <laughs> how much do we get of the story and how much of this is just like a Boba Fett story I think that's going to be a predominantly Boba Fett story. I think if Din Djarin shows up, it's only going to be an episode or two. Another character that could show up is uh, former head of Crimson Dawn, Kira. Uh, basically, uh, what's-her-face that played her in Solo was, like, 10 years older than the character, and now she'd be... or No, she was, like, 12 to 15 years older than what her actual character was, and now she'd be about five years younger younger than what her character would be. So just slap a little bit of old age makeup on her and you're good to go. Bring her back. Put like I would a gray like to streak, see that. Put like a couple gray streaks in her hair. Yeah, I love, I like when Disney brings in characters that hadn't necessarily been in that media before like or someone who hadn't necessarily got a chance to shine fully. Like we didn't get to see Kira in the Crimson Dawn role. She was set up to be in Star Wars and in, in, uh, Solo. So I would love to see Crimson Dawn come to life in, in one of these shows somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll get a Crimson Dawn like reference, you know. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, is, so they brought Matt Lanter back for uh, an episode in season two of uh, The Mandalorian, and if you don't know, he was the voice of Anakin in The Clone Wars. Uh, what are the odds that, or like, what are the chances we get some of the, like the voice actors back doing cameos? Like, and he was the voice actor for Boba Fett in uh, in the Clone Wars, but he also played like he played him in Attack of the Clones. Uh, but like Daniel Logan, is there a chance Daniel Logan comes in for like a flashback scene to voice and play uh, a you know younger Boba Fett maybe during the time of the Clone Wars or just immediately after the Clone Wars? I wasn't thinking playing the character as much as I was thinking, like, you know, Matt Lanter, uh, or I was thinking maybe they're they're showing up in the bar. You know, that would be my kind of cameo for the cast members. Like, you get the actor for Zeb to show up as, like, a bartender somewhere, you know, or you get even Ashley Epp. Well, I uh, think for Zeb, if they bring Zeb back for um, uh, the Ahsoka series, like, you could just have him voice the character again because it's not like you're... That's true. It's not like... uh, <laughs> uh, you you need an actor like whatever person you put in the suit you're still going to need another voice and you might as well get the guy again um, yeah, I didn't even think about bringing Zed back as an actual character but yeah he could show up give us a cool CGI motion capture or something I don't know yeah. <laughs> make it cool Disney you can figure it out Yeah. Uh, that you do that and then uh, but like for the Obi-Wan series like the James Arnold Taylor cameo like Matt Lan- in an episode in the episode where Obi-Wan and Anakin meet for the first time in Obi-Wan Kenobi, if there's, like, a bar scene or maybe, like, there's two stormtroopers or something, like, how can you not have them played by, like, Matt Lanter and James Arnold Taylor? That would be so cool. 
it would really work, especially in the episode where they both meet. You could feel like they're all meeting. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a co- combination of the eras, Joe. Yeah, I'd be I'd be super hyped about it. Like I sit here and I say, Disney shouldn't do all these connected characters. Why is everyone a character from something else? And then as soon as the character shows up, I'm like, well, that was awesome. I think as long as it fits, like, I'm cool with it. Like, Hondo showing up in Kenobi makes sense because they have a history. They have this. They have that. Like, Ahsoka, sure. But if he were, if, like, Hondo showing up and say, like, uh, Andor, I'm like, man, I don't know if I need that. I don't know if that works. They don't have the history. They don't, you know do anything and granted that's probably where they'll have him pop up now and it'll be like the greatest episode ever but again like <laughs> I'm okay with it you know happening when it fits like when you have Din like learning what it be- means to be a Mandalorian like I'm okay with him like meeting the former like Mandalore former wielder of the Darksaber and then like Boba Fett the basically character that the Mandalorians were based on but as long as it fits I'm cool with it when if it doesn't start to fit where I'm just going to be like what's going on like if Palpatine like the ghost of Palpatine shows up in fucking Mandalorian season 3 I'm going to be like what is this this is not not there's Snoke you don't need Snoke and Book of Boba Fett. I still think, like, plot twist craziest plot twist of all time Grogu reaches out in the force and then all the same shit goes down, but instead of Luke showing up, Snoke shows up and rescues them and takes Grogu. That would be incredible. Why would they? But they needed the they needed the memory berries, Joe. You gotta have the nostalgia. No, I think it was more just while season three's happening, they didn't want us to like worry about Grogu's safety. Like we're Mandalorian not. Afterlife. We're focusing on Din in season three. We're not worrying about Grogu, and he's with Luke, so we don't have to worry about him. Where if Snoke picked him up, it's like okay, now we kind of have to worry about what the hell's going on with Grogu. So from a narrative standpoint, I'm cool with it. All right, anything else you got to say about Disney Plus this week? Oh, I wanted to bring up we do have some directors for uh, um, Book of Boba Fett. What do we got, Joe? Uh, so Empire is saying, uh, Robert Rodriguez is directing multiple episodes. Uh, some other directors, we have Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard, and then we also have, uh, newcomer Steph Green and, uh, Kevin Tancharoan. Don't know if that's pronounced right. Steph Green is basically mainly done TV. She's done, like, a lot of the prestige shows, like Watchmen and some other stuff like that. And then Kevin Tancharoan, if I remember right, he's another, he's basically a, came from the stuntman world, and uh, he directed uh, the movie that Chris Hemsworth just did for Netflix earlier this year or last year, that I can't remember. Extraction? Extraction, yeah, I believe that's uh, who he is. So that's probably going to be a very action-oriented episode, I would imagine. Yeah. I would have liked nope, to see Robert Rodriguez do the whole show. But the director of Extraction has been rumored to direct the episode of Book of Boba Fett. But that's not. It's that one guy. of the. It's one of those shows where I do wish they gave it to one director because it was like, oh, it was a complete book from the one author, you know. But I'm curious to see. Like Bryce Dallas Howard did a Mandalorian episode and it was pretty good. So I'm, I'm excited to see her come back. Dave Filoni, his episodes have been okay, live action wise. <laughs> but I'm um, good for him. It's his. It's his world, so he deserves to direct whatever he wants. <laughs> Any show, Dave Filoni at least can still get one episode. I feel like he 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 brought this all to life essentially with Clone Wars. So 
give one give him one yeah all right yeah with Kenobi we have one director so I'm curious if this was just like a scheduling thing or what of why Robert Rodriguez is not directing all of it but between uh Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan it really does feel like we're getting we're stepping back a bit to like the well not necessarily Book of Boba Fett but I'm sure we're gonna get someone there like the prequel timeline era of like between the prequels and the original trilogy we're kind of building that up again and I'm I'm loving it. Give me some prequel iconography. Give me some prequel planets. I'm, I'm in for it. All right. So uh, we could be getting it. I have no idea when the next trailer is coming out, but uh, it premieres a month from Tuesday, right? The 29th. Mm. So, so today, technically, it, it, it's 1.02 a.m. where I am, and it's the 27th. So that would make it... The 27th is Saturday, 28th Sunday, so a month from Monday. So I could see maybe a new trailer Monday Night Football, potentially. Like, hey, we're a month out from this show, new trailer for Book of Boba Fett. We also got a Spider-Man trailer probably on Monday. Uh, Tickets go on sale on Monday for Spider-Man. Okay, so maybe if we get a new Spider-Man trailer, we're not getting a new Book of Boba Fett trailer. But... Anyways, what I'm about to say is we're going to probably be getting a lot of new information about Boba Fett. We only know three cast members, really. Um, so do you have a locked-in prediction? Like, I, this is my number one locked-in prediction for Book of Boba Fett. Plot-wise, I haven't really thought about that much to predict, but in terms of characters, I think it's almost certain that we get the Cad Bane appearance. That, that was going to be mine, Cad Bane appearance. But that's almost too easy of an answer. We talked about that a lot. So uh, I'll change it up and I'll say that we're going to get uh, a appearance of, of Tamara Morrison playing like a, a, a clone, one of the clones from the Clone Wars. I'm not sure which one it would be, but like a turn clone that turned good. One of the main clones from Probably the Clone Wars Rex. will show up. Probably Rex. We'll get like a Rex appearance, and uh, it'll be kind of a conversation of like their, their brotherhood and where they came from. I, w- I would like to see that. And I think that would be a, a really interesting conversation. Like philosophically, I would like to see Book of Boba Fett. As much as I want the action to be cool, I would like to see if they get into like his identity. Is he's kind of like <laughs> how do, how does he come to grips with himself as this as a clone of this of this vicious killer and his role in that and his role in the slaughtering of all these people who are kind of his brother, you know? I re- I'd like to see that be explored. All right, so my prediction is going to be, because I know they're friends and they hang out at cons a lot, that Daniel Logan makes an appearance. Whether it's as Boba Fett in a flashback or as a you know cameo as a different character, but that's my prediction. As Daniel Logan appears, and I feel if he was still alive, Jeremy Bullock, who played um, Boba Fett in the costume for Empire Strikes Back. If he was still alive, he would make a cameo appearance as well, but, you know, since he's deceased, he can't. Um, but I'm, I'm locking in that Daniel Logan makes an appearance. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think, especially because Star Wars likes to pay tribute to the legacy of the characters, especially the live-action versions of the characters, so it makes sense to have them show up somewhere. Yep. Alright, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up our show for today. Uh, I have nothing else, if, unless you do. No, I don't have much else. It's going to be a good episode next week, too. More Hawkeye, more Beatles. More Hawkeye, the Beatles, I guess, are making music. Um, you know, and uh, Back together. 
and uh, we will have a December somewhat of a preview. We'll already be in December. Uh, normally we do it at the end of a month, but we had a lot to discuss today, so we just decided to push it a week. Also, I forgot until 30 seconds before I hit start recording that uh, we could do a December preview, and that's the main Happy reason. Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Thanksgiving's <laughs> overrated. My, my family didn't even care about My family didn't, don't care about Thanksgiving. We never even exchanged gifts, so without further ado. Gifts on Thanksgiving. Goodbye. Thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.